Objective of the mission, drive your child to school. You get in the car. Turn the keys. Pull out the driveway. And begin driving. A few minutes pass without any need to stop. But that pattern only lasts so long in the suburbs. Eventually, you come to an intersection. You see the stop sign. You nudge the brakes. And wait for your turn. You recall what you learned in your early days of driving. At intersections not controlled by signs or signals, or where two or more drivers stop at stop signs at the same time and they are at right angles, the driver on the left must yield the right of way to the driver on the right. A driver on the crossroad has stopped at a stop sign on your right and is also going to go straight. You must yield the right of way to the other driver since he is on your right. So you wait. Your child lets you know that the path is clear on the other side. You scan your side. All clear. You make a choice. And drive straight. This was a simple analogy. I'll be returning to it again to add in other elements, as Aquinas adds on details of his own to his definition of prudence. But drawing upon his very first article on prudence where he lays out a simple definition, this analogy suffices. Put very simply, Prudence is about choosing what to do and not to do. It is a way of seeing the world. Aquinas himself, drawing upon earlier virtue ethics writers, uses sight to describe prudence. To apply it to the earlier analogy, you saw what was actually happening. You saw that the car was stopped on your right side. But you also did some foresight. You saw the situation in the future. You saw how things would play out if you just blasted through the intersection. The car on your right quite possibly could have hit you. For Aquinas, Though, this simple definition won't suffice. He has to find where prudence is. Now, to a modern reader, asking the question where is prudence? May sound a bit odd. After all, we ask this question about car keys and dinner. But asking it about something seemingly immaterial, how are you supposed to answer that question? In the words of Aquinas, is prudence in the cognitive or in the appetitive faculty? To understand the question itself, this requires a bit of background into Aquinas' thought. Although these terms in this context may be unfamiliar, their 21st century application isn't so far removed as to be useless. Consider what cognition is. You may think about the brain. Or the act of thinking. Consider what appetite is. You may think about a growling stomach. Or your mouth watering at the sight of a delicious steak. Those instinctive responses aren't so far off the mark. Although more can be said, as will be shown in future posts, when we see how detailed Aquinas will get with prudence. This same method of definition was earlier applied to these faculties, in a very basic sense, cognition is thinking. It may help to lay out the actions associated with each. The cognitive faculty would be associated with the powers of sensing and knowing. To go even further down, we could describe the intellect, and reason, which do have a distinction, although they sound synonymous to our 21st century years. You may think about experience, ticking in sensation, and how we understand and perceive those sensations. The appetitive faculty would be associated with the power of willing. In other words, dynamic action. To bring in the steak described earlier, you see the steak. You want the steak. You move to obtain the steak. To return to the original question, when we are dealing with the virtue of prudence, Aquinas will answer that it is part of the cognitive faculty. This answer makes sense when considering what a person has to use to make a decision that could be called prudent. A person has to come up with possible options for the future, a potential car crash. A person has to use the knowledge of what is currently happening, where other vehicles are in relation to your own. And a person has to use memories of the past, driving lessons and reading the rules of the road. You use these three elements to put together an informed decision about what to do, in other words, you are reasoning to the right choice to make. To set up the next point Aquinas will make, here is another analogy. 
Consider an overweight man who goes to the doctor for a checkup. The doctor says the man has to lose weight, for any array of reasons. The man says okay dash and returns home. The man returns to the doctor in 8 months, and instead of losing weight, he has gained weight. The doctor questions him on what happened. In response, the man answers well, I knew what decision I had to make. This leads to the next point. In some sense, prudence isn't simply about the cognitive faculty. It is no use if that informed decision just stays up in your head. It requires action. The overweight man knew what he had to do. But he didn't do it. And that original visit to the doctor did him no good. Another point Aquinas brings up is in regard to the appetitive faculty discussed earlier. While prudence is in the cognitive faculty, the appetitive power isn't useless, nor is it not involved. In fact, it is quite possibly the most important element. To return to the analogy of the overweight man, we may begin to consider the reasons for why he didn't follow the doctor's instructions. I loved food too much. I loved laying in bed too much. His desires were out of order. His loves were for the wrong things. If he loved his health first and foremost, he would have made the effort to work on his weight. The first point to draw from this is that our desires have to be for the right things. By right dash I mean what is in accord with our nature. This man isn't able to flourish in his current circumstances. He has to desire on a basic level the same things plants and animals do. He has to desire a healthy body. Aquinas is a theologian, though, and he will take this point to another level. Aquinas points out that there is an ultimate love for humans. We have a spiritual soul. And that soul comes with a supernatural end, or destiny, that animals and plants do not. He says that our love for God and union with Him should put the desire in us to discern what will hinder us from God, and what will draw us closer to God. In other words, doing good and avoiding evil. The second point to draw from this is that our desires have to be strong enough. Earlier, Aquinas treated charity, which has the potential to grow to infinity in our lives. Why? Because God is infinite, our desires are infinite, and love is infinite. We have to continue striving to not only make sure we love God above all else, but that we love God more and more. In doing so, we will want to act prudently so much, that obstacles to doing so will become easily surmountable. The man in the story desired a healthy life a very, very small amount. He made the effort to go to the doctor in the first place. But that desire couldn't do battle with his other desires. The other desires were too strong. Drawing again upon the overweight man analogy, as well as the intersection analogy, in each story there was a key element. There was the consideration of the past, present, and future by the main character, as discussed earlier. But there was also what Aquinas will call counsel. The doctor counseled the overweight man about what the right thing to do was. The child in a better position to see around the corner of the intersection counseled his father that the coast was clear. To make an informed decision, it is helpful to draw upon the advice of those wiser and more experienced than us. One final distinction to make from the overweight man analogy, and the intersection analogy. There is no rule book for prudence. There is a rule book for art Aquinas will say. When there are certain and fixed rules in regard to a situation, that is practical art. But when there are no fixed rules, that is the domain of prudence. And this point should stress the importance of developing prudence. The situations where one has to be prudent have a multitude of factors, sometimes too many to consider. Too many potential future possibilities that situation is unique. That is when you need prudence. You need right reason and things to be done. Now you can take on Aquinas on your own. You are prepared to read Article 1 and Article 2 of Aquinas' very first discussion of prudence.